Look, regardless of what real estate agents want to have you believe, using a real estate agent to sell your house is not always in your best interest. You could make a lot more money by simply deciding to sell yourself. The question is, when is it appropriate to choose each individual method? Hey everyone, Osiris Estrada here. Welcome to Trazel, the How to Sell Your Home podcast, where every episode you learn everything there is to know about selling your house, as well as what's going on in the Puget Sound real estate market. This is episode number one, and I want to give you a special thank you for being with me here today. Since this is the first episode, I want to give you an overview of how each show is going to be structured. Basically, every show is going to be divided into two parts. In the first part, I'll bring you the most relevant and entertaining bits of news about real estate in the Puget Sound area. And in the second part, I'll dive into the main topic that teaches you how to reach your goals when selling your house. Whether that's making the most money, selling as quickly as possible, or anything in between. The main purpose of the news segments is to give you a better understanding of what the real estate market is doing in the area. This is going to allow you to make a better decision when it comes to your own life, such as knowing whether you should buy, sell, or hold on to your property. My goal is then to empower you with a deeper understanding of everything going on in your neighborhoods and cities. The second part is where I do my best to instill all the wisdom about selling your house that I have. Now every episode will be a new topic like for example today is very basic in that I'm going to explain to you the three different and most common ways people sell their house. Only one of those three ways actually requires a realtor so stay tuned for that. I'll then go over all the pros and the cons of each way so that you can make the best decision for you and your family. Finally, at the end of every show, I'll leave you with a quick summary and a call to action. It's going to be a bit different every time, so I'll have some fun with it. The very first thing I want to talk about and the number one topic everyone wants to talk about when they first find out I'm a realtor is this. Where do you see the market going? People always ask. When is this housing market going to slow down? Are we heading to a recession? Is there going to be another housing bubble? Everybody wants to know. Don't worry, if you listen to this show on a regular basis, you'll soon be the local real estate expert amongst your friends, so listen closely. There was an article that came out a few days ago in the Seattle Times that you might have seen. It was called, Housing Bubble or Not, Science Here Not Clear Yet. John Talton is the author, and he tells a very interesting yet cautionary tale. So John used to live in Phoenix in the mid-2000s. If you remember the mid-2000s, you'll remember that real estate prices had doubled there and construction was still rampantly going on in all parts of the city, much like they were all throughout the country. He talks about how one day he went to his hairstylist and they struck up a conversation. Soon the conversation turned to real estate and she was telling him how she was going to start buying rental properties with subprime loans. For those of you not familiar with subprime loans, it's basically a loan that you are not really qualified for at but at the time, banks were basically throwing money out the window to anyone who asked. So, so that means that subprime loans were everywhere. Anyway, she was going to take all these rental properties and sit on them for a year and then decide whether to sell or keep the properties even longer. This is what he describes as his Joe Kennedy moment. Here's a quote so he can better exp- explain what a Joe Kennedy moment is. Quote, in the late 1920s, the future president's father knew it was time to get out of the market when he started receiving stock tips from shoeshine boys. His fortune survived the crash of 1929, end quote. So basically, 
John is sitting there in his hairstylist salon, and this lady is telling him how she's going to go out and buy houses that she can't afford, and she's going to hold on to them for as long as possible, and then sell them back so she can make a ton of profit. See, the problem is that a lot of people think that real estate is really easy, but it's not. Real estate is simple, but it's definitely not easy. At the time, John was a columnist for one of the local newspapers there in Phoenix, and he decides that he needs to go and warn everybody about what, what's about to happen. Here's what he says next. Quote, As a result, I became one of the journalists who called the bubble and crash. My warnings in the newspaper were not well received in a city whose economy is based on real estate and boosterism. That's a big reason why I ended up here. End quote. Now, obviously here meaning Seattle. So here's a guy who sees the writing on the wall sees that people are not being responsible with their money and decides to call it out like he sees it. As you can imagine, people did not take the news too kindly. I dug a little deeper on John's background in Phoenix to see if I could come up with any of the articles where he warned the people of Phoenix about the crash, but I couldn't find any. I did, however, find an old forum thread that talks about him leaving the city. Now, this forum thread was written in March of 2007 and the Phoenix bubble did not burst until three months later in June of 2007. Here's what the original poster wrote. Quote, John Talton, business and op-ed columnist for the Arizona Republic, is leaving the paper as a result of a recent reorganization. Talton had an interesting perspective. He is a Phoenix native who lived many other places and then moved back to his hometown. While he claimed to see a lot of potential for Phoenix, he never could seem to overcome a chronic sense of negativity in his, comments, in his columns. End quote. Another poster then wrote, Hard to believe that Talton was a columnist in the business section, considering he did not seem to have a clue about the types of businesses that flourish in Phoenix. Talton always complained about the lack of corporate headquarters in Phoenix and seemed to ignore that it was small business that was responsible for most of the growth in Phoenix. End quote. Again, this is a full three months before the bubble burst in Phoenix. Times were good, business was booming, real estate was on the rise. There just wasn't space for a guy telling everyone that the sky was about to fall. Now let's fast forward to today. It's July of 2016 and what's going on around us? Well, home prices in Seattle are up 74% in five years. The average house is worth over $600,000 in Seattle proper. And there are multiple offers on just about every home sale. And it's not just Seattle either. There's a new report from the Puget Sound Business Journal that says, quote, The real action last month was in Skagit County, where the number of pending sales was more than 26% higher than last year, while the median sales price increased about 24% to $297,000." To put this all into perspective, historically, home prices rise about a little over 5% annually in the United States. So a rise of 24%, which is almost five times as much, is pretty incredible. With numbers like that, we're sure to run headfirst into a meltdown, right? Or are we? What does John have to say about the Seattle real estate market today? Well, let's go back to his recent article, which was written on July 9th, 2016. So just one week ago as of the recording of this episode. Is he ready to call it a bubble and prepare us for the inevitable market crash? Here's what he says. Quote, Not yet. The biggest ingredient of a true bubble appears to be, the mis to be missing here. Large numbers of speculators betting on continued high price appreciation and many of them overextended. Instead, 
All cash offers are common. At a time when fewer Americans are buying homes, ownership is coveted in Seattle. The problem is that even qualified buyers have trouble finding a house. Also, mortgage underwriting standards are much tougher than before. WAMU and its toxic siblings are history. Part of the big price increases is no doubt psychology, but mostly fundamentals are at work. Seattle enjoys a robust and diverse economy with major headquarter companies, a thriving technology center, sector, and higher than average incomes and wages. Employment and population growth have been strong. It's a desirable place. Last week, a report said we ranked first in the nation for software engineers' pay, adjusted for living costs. Compared to San Francisco and Silicon Valley, Seattle is affordable, at least for those with the top jobs. End quote. To break that down into plain English, basically, here's what he's saying. This market is very different from the markets that we saw in Phoenix and that we saw throughout the country in 2007 and 2008. Here in Seattle, it's not uncommon for people to come in with cash offers where back then it was common for people who had no business buying houses going out and securing massive amount of debt with loans they had no business getting into. And he says, when you compare our market to that of Silicon Valley and San Francisco, we actually come out somewhat affordable. Of course, the word affordable here is relative since it's only affordable to people at the top jobs. For me personally, I see this as well when I work with my clients. People who can definitely afford a house are being priced out by offers going well above the asking price. What I mean by that is that let's say a house is listed on the market for $500,000. I then do an analysis on the house and see that very similar houses within walking distance have gone for say $550,000. I then pass the information back along to my clients and they put an offer that escalates up to $575,000. So $25,000 above what very similar houses went for in just a few months ago. Now, under normal circumstances, you might say, why would you advise your clients to pay $25,000 more than what you think the house is worth? Well, that's a very good point, and I agree with you wholeheartedly, but do you know what happens next? That's right. Somebody buys that house for $675,000. That's $100,000 more than our highest offer. It's incredible. That's unfortunately the state that we're in. It's exciting. It's scary. And it's puzzling all at the same time. So the next question is, what would it take for there to be a housing bubble? Here's how John Talton answers that question. Quote, Some of Seattle's froth would disappear if Chinese buyers exited the market. Nationally, foreign buyers of U.S. properties have declined over the past year. Even so, Chinese continue to buy and lean toward the most expensive homes, even though Beijing has tightened controls on moving money offshore. Higher interest rates might make a difference too, but the Fed is stuck with a fragile national and world economy, so any move to raise rates is in the distance. A shock would end the party fast. Recession, tech bubble pops, South China Sea conflict, election season surprise, earthquake, volcano, pick your poison. End quote. So if you need another reason not to vote for Donald Trump, well, now you got one. No matter who you ask, you'll be hard-pressed to find someone who tells you that the Seattle bubble is coming soon. I'm not saying it's impossible, I'm just saying it'll be quite the shock. If you've ever wondered, when is it a good time for you to sell your house? Well, now's as good as time as any. If and when you decide to sell, there are certain things you can do to make sure you have not only the best experience possible, but also 
come out with the biggest profit. Basically, selling the house comes down to three different methods. The first one is the most obvious one, which is getting a real estate agent to help you. The second one is selling your house on your own or doing a FISBO, which stands for for sale by owner. And the third one, which is not as often talked about, is selling your house for cash to an investor. I'm going to dive into these three different methods and what they are. Look, regardless of what real estate agents want to have you believe, using a real estate agent to sell your house is not always in your best interest. You could make a lot more money by simply deciding to sell yourself. The question is, when is it appropriate to choose each individual method? First, let's talk about selling with a realtor. The main reason why you would want to do this is twofold, security and a stress-free experience. A realtor is great in the sense that they should, and I say should because there are a lot of bad realtors out there, but they should be available for you at any time of day and ready to answer any questions you may have. Here's what you can expect from a realtor. First, they will more than likely come to your house for what we in the real estate business call a listing appointment. In this listing appointment, they will first lay out their plan on how they're going to go about selling your house. This includes everything from staging the house, when to list the house, and basically how to go about doing everything. The most important thing is for you to completely understand the process and to know exactly what they are going to do for you. The most important thing is for you to completely understand the process and know exactly what they're going to do for you. This is a great time to ask any questions or address any concerns that you may have. Now as far as the negatives. There is one big negative that realtors bring, and that is their commission price. Using a real estate agent is going to cost you about 3% of the sale price to pay their commission. Now this 3% is negotiable depending on the realtor that you use or the market that you're in, but 3% is a lot of money when you're talking about $600,000 houses. Right now, I've got an episode in the works where I'll show you some tips and advice about negotiating the agent's commission, but that's a story for another day. The second way to sell your house is by doing it for sale by owner, or as I said before, a FISBO. The big draw for a for sale by owner is obviously the 3% commission that you'll be saving by not hiring an agent. The downside, however, is that you take on all the responsibility and it does end up taking up a lot of your time and energy. The thing is that most people only sell their house once every five to 10 years, if not longer sometimes. That means that for an intense, that means that for all intents and purposes, just about everyone selling their house is new at selling their house. Now, I don't want to make it sound daunting or like it's an impossible task. In fact, by simply listening to the show, you'll know everything you need to know about selling on your own. But the big determining factor that you need to figure out before deciding to sell on your own is how much time and how much energy you are willing to put into selling your house. The amount of time and energy that it takes is going to vary from person to person, but if you can afford to spend, say, 5 to 10 hours a week for a month straight dedicated to selling your house, then selling your house on your own may be your best option. Okay, so for the last method, and also the method that most people don't generally think about, and that is selling your house to a real estate or to an investor. You might have seen the signs around towns on the side of the roads that say, we buy houses cash or sell your house fast. Although sometimes bordering on ethical, let me break down what these people are actually doing. The person who posts these signs up is what is known as a wholesaler. Their business model is that they find people in need of selling their house either right away or they have a reason to not put their house on the market. 
Reasons for that might include that their house won't pass inspection or maybe they owe bad taxes on the property that they can't afford to pay before selling their house. So in comes the wholesaler. The wholesaler is a middleman between the homeowner and a network of investors that he or she may know. There's a few things that the wholesaler has to calculate to take to his investors. And those things include how much is the house worth if they were in prime condition. They also need to know how much work is needed on the house. They do this by visiting the house and walking around with the homeowner. They also need to know about any liens or back taxes that the property may have. They then take all that data and they figure out how much an investor would pay in, in cash for this house in order for them to make a profit on it after it's fixed up. We've all seen the shows about home flipping and how investors find these properties to flip. Well, if you've ever wondered how they go about finding all these properties, wholesalers is the answer. They're basically what gets everything started off right out of the gate. Without getting too detailed into real estate contracts, essentially what they do is they connect the homeowner with the investor and they take a cut for making that connection. Now, out of the three, this method is the most complicated one of all. So in future episodes, I'll give you everything you need to know before calling one of those signs off the road. So to summarize, here are the three ways. One is to sell with an agent in the open market. Two is to sell the house yourself on the open market. And three is to not list your property on the open market at all and sell it privately to an investor. If your most important asset is time, use an agent. If your most important asset is money and have plenty of time, sell it on your own. If you have any reason why you cannot place the house on the open market, an investor may be your best bet. Again, this was just a general overview. Be on the lookout for future episodes where I go more in depth into each and every one of these options. a story you want to share with the world email me at osiris at tracel.com that's o-s-i-r-i-s at tracel.com t-r-a-z-u-l.com anything funny interesting or even maddening that happened to you with your experience either buying or selling your house i'll pick the best ones and share them here in future episodes i also need a big favor from you in the homepage for this podcast there is one question survey that I would really appreciate if you filled out. Head over to tracel.com and there will be a place right there on the home screen for you to answer that question. It's one question and shouldn't take you more than a few seconds to fill out. The answers I receive will be used to provide you with better information in future episodes. This is not an opt-in survey or anything like that. I don't require you to enter your email or credit card number or social security number, nothing, nothing like that. Simply go to the site, answer the question, and you're done. Thank you so much in advance for that. That really helps a lot. Seriously, guys. Once again, my name is Osiris Estrada. This is Trazel, the How to Sell Your House podcast, a show where smart, shrewd, and intelligent homeowners refuse to leave their home selling process to chance. I'm a real estate agent in the Puget Sound working with Fathom Realty. If you're thinking about selling your house and want to hire me, feel free to call or text me at 425-280-1880 or email me at osiris at Thank you for being part of my very first episode. 
until next time, signing out. Thank you.